Everyone loves an apocalypse. There's big money to be made in apocalypses after all. Think of all the movies and books that have been sold over the years that focus on the apocalypse, the end of the world, and everything that comes with it. Whether the end of the world be brought about from alien invasion, I remember the movie Independence Day when it first came out, by climate disaster, I think it was called The Day After Tomorrow was the movie where the world was, all the ice melted and things like that. The end of the world by volcanoes. Remember the Tommy Lee Jones movie where volcanoes were erupting everywhere. Anyway, you could take your pick. There's lots of movies and, and books and stories that are sold about the end of the world. Zombies, yes, zombie apocalypse. Take your pick. Take your poison. Take your preference for how the world will end. And there's something about the end of the world that is kind of compelling but distressing at the same time. And I think that's why the end of the world sells, the apocalypse sells, because, kind of like scary movies or horror movies, the unknown kind of draws us in as much as it scares us. It's like going on a ride on, the, on an amusement park, right? The scarier the better, the more loop-de-loops and upwards and backwards and downwards and upwards and all that goes with it. You can get off that ride and then say, see, I survived it. And then feel good about yourselves. I've survived this amusement park ride. I've survived watching this scary movie. I've survived the end of the world portrayed in this movie, but I am still here standing. So there's something empowering about these sorts of things. I remember watching a movie when I was probably about 9 or 10 years old at my aunt and uncle's house. They were well-meaning people. They had bought some religious videos for me and my cousins to watch. The name of the movie, as I found out later, was called A Thief in the Night. Has anyone heard of that movie? It was a big movie in the 1970s. Not only did it scare the hell out of me, it scared the heaven out of me. Because this movie was about the second coming of Christ, and it was scary. It was frightening to me as a, as a young person trying to go about the life as a 10-year-old would. Playing outside, riding my bike, no thought about the end of the world. And my well-meaning aunt and uncle who played this movie were trying to educate us. And as I said, it scared the heaven and the hell out of me because I was like, I don't want the world to end. I'm 10. I, I've got life to live. I want to know what it means to kiss a girl, to be married, to have family, to figure out what my place in this world is. I don't want the world to end. And I certainly don't want it to end in the way portrayed in this movie. Likewise, you may have heard there was, a, I don't know if it's still popular or not, but I remember going to see it once in university called Heaven's Gate, no, Hell's, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Have you heard of that? It was a play that was really big. And the idea was, it was literally supposed to scare the hell out of you so that you would then be ready to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's a bait and switch. It was like that movie, A Thief in the Night. It was meant to scare you so you would be so emotionally vulnerable that of course, of course, anything like eternal life insurance policy, anything that will... Save me from the end of the world. I, I will happily take it. But maybe the end of the world is not a big deal. Maybe we're so comfortable in our lives now that we don't like to think about it because we have good lives. 
family, friends, employment, a roof over our heads. And so again, the thought of the end of the world is not something that we want to think about. We read Jesus' text today in the Gospel, and Jesus is talking about the big apocalypse, the end of the world. And he says, things will happen in the world. Plagues. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds familiar. Famines, shortages of food and whatnot. Or maybe toilet paper. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds familiar. Nations coming and rattling the sword against other nations. Warfare on the horizon. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds kind of familiar. I've lost count how many times people have asked me, Father Jason, do you think this is the beginning of the end? And particularly, they've asked me this question in the last year and a half. Because the four horsemen of the apocalypse, famine, war, plague, oh, that's three out of the four, And so people are earnestly wrestling with this question about the end of the world. But the thing is, if you listen to Jesus' words, that's kind of the same as it's always been, hasn't it? The looming threat of the end of the world, whether by warfare, famine, plague, or any other thing that's happened, natural disaster, that's always been a threat in human history, isn't it? So these well-meaning groups that have made this Deep in the Night, which I guess, I think it got made into like three or four different movies, and these people that put on this play, they're so fixated on this big second coming of Christ as a way to kind of emotionally manipulate and to scare us that they miss Jesus' point of what he's getting at here. And what he's getting at is that we do not need to look for the second coming in the way that often we get told in popular culture, in the way that we often get told in the church, this kind of turn or burn mentality. Jesus says, I am coming again. Of that you can be assured. You won't know when it'll be. You don't know how it will happen other than I will be there and everyone will be like, hey, there's Jesus. Jesus is more focused here on what we can call a daily apocalypse, an everyday apocalypse. Not to say it's every day that it's ordinary or mundane, But in the way that Jesus promises to come to meet us and dwell with us every day. You see, the word apocalypse kind of has a lot of baggage. And it's not a negative term, the way that Jesus and the scriptures use it. We often hear it as a negative term. But an apocalypse means literally an unveiling. It's an unveiling. We're going to have an apocalypse here today. That blue thing right on there with the candle on it, that's called a veil. And at some point, you will notice that I will take that veil off, and I've unveiled it. That's an apocalypse. We know what's under there. A paten, which is the plate. A chalice, which is the cup. It's not a surprise what's there. But Jesus says, look for my coming. Look for my coming every day. Because I tell you how I'm going to come with you. I will come and dwell with you through my word and through the sacraments. Through my word and through the sacraments. Jesus' word. Jesus is the word. And the word he speaks is that word that created all things out of nothing in the beginning. And God spoke his word. 
The Word is always creating. The Word is always fruitful. The Word is always bringing life. And this Word says, I will dwell in you. The Word dwells in us as we do what we're doing right now. We've gathered to hear the Scriptures opened and read to us. Brian did our first reading. I did the Gospel reading. The Word being spoken and proclaimed. And hopefully, God willing, the preacher breaking open the Word of God for us to hear, to learn, to mark, and to inwardly digest it. Inwardly digest the way a cow will chew its cud. If you pardon the, maybe that's a bit of a, 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 a visceral metaphor, right? But a cow chewing its cud, right? It throws it up, it chews it, it swallows it, it throws it up, it chews it, it swallows it. That's the imagery that we're being invited here. We digest it because that word needs to settle in us, but that word says by the very word of God that it will always bring forth light and life and hope and peace. So it's not merely reading the words from an old book from 2,000 years ago. It is hearing those words as they come to us here today and speak afresh to us. When we read the Bible with our kids at home, my kids will sometimes complain, Dad, we've heard this story already. We need a new one. And my response is, this book, this Bible, this is the only story that will really matter in your life. Not to say other stories are not important. They are. But you need to hear this story over and over and over again because we so easily forget. So we have to open ourselves to allow this word to dwell in us. Because when we receive with the ears of faith, with the expectation that the word will come to us, that word will always bear fruit in our life, even if we've heard the story a dozen or two dozen times before. And in the same way, Christ promises to meet us in his holy sacrament of communion. Think of the story of that great Bible study that Jesus does on the road to Emmaus. Two disciples are wrestling with what they've just seen and experienced. They've seen their leader, Jesus, brutally tortured and crucified and died. And they're trying to make sense of this. How do we understand everything that Jesus has taught us now that he's gone? And then Jesus shows up, and what does he do? He gives them a Bible lesson. He teaches them how the entirety of what we know as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, are all about him. How that word to the ancient Israelites is a word to them then and there and to us here and now. Because Jesus is the word that unlocks that meaning and that fulfills it. And then he goes with them into the house and they still don't know who he is. And Jesus takes bread. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it and he gives it to them. Sounds pretty familiar, right? That's exactly what we're going to do in a moment. We're going to take bread, give thanks, break it, and give it. And then Jesus vanishes. He vanishes in his body, but at the same time, he still dwells with his people, with these two disciples who stand as a figure for us. He dwells with them in the word that he has just opened to them and in the bread that he has just taken, blessed, and broken as his body. Because the Eucharist is how Jesus still dwells with his people here and now today. I don't know if you can all see it, but there's a little closet. I think, Scott, your dad made that, right? Lloyd Millward made that closet up by the chair. Does anyone know what it's called? It's called an ombre. 
And the ombre is very much connected to what's happening in the altar because in the ombre there are two things. Consecrated bread and consecrated wine. They stay in there because when I or any of the, uh, the other lay pastoral people are bringing communion to those who are sick and shut in, we take what's already been blessed at the table that we have shared at and we bring it to them as an extension of who we are. Then we have the light, the sanctuary light, the eternal flame that reminds us of that presence of the Holy Spirit in those things that are in that cupboard. Because Jesus dwells in the midst of his people in written word and in small pieces of bread. So we can receive these things as mere words on a page, as a mere stale wafer or loaf of bread, salty sourdough. Or we can receive them with faith, with thanksgiving, to see in them the way that Christ dwells with us and his people. And then we go from here full of that word that has dwelled in us, and we are going to the world to be an ombre of Christ. To be that presence in the lives of others that bring peace and hope and joy. Because we need that peace, hope, and joy in a world that is always looking for the big apocalypse. I don't know if you read the news, but maybe you've noticed in the news lately the same as it's always been. There is nothing but doom and gloom in the end of the world. Whether it's COVID or climate change, this thing or that thing. But we are a people of the word. The word that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word that is literally good news. And so filled with this word who comes to us through scripture and sacrament, we are called to have that dwelling word in us to be, as I said, ombres of Christ. Bringing Christ's presence into the world. With our words, with our presence, with our actions. So my friends, let us go and into the world, having received the body of Christ, let us therefore go into the world to be the body of Christ, in a world that is so desperate and starved for good news. Amen.